You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Well, yesterday, if you uh, were with us on the Grum, we revealed the projection using Bill Conley's SP Plus numbers as a guide. What? What are you? What are you shaking your head at? The, I I was literally using his math. Yes. And according to his math, now again, we weren't factoring in the probabilities of which Bill does that. Uh, no, I, no, no. Remember, Bill said eight and four, no probabilities no, involved. No, no. They win, they lose, <laughs> no, but no. they win eight times and they lose no. four times. That's what the SP Plus says. No, that's not exactly. That's how what I the understand S- math to work. Well, I'm glad that's how you understand math. But the yeah. bottom line is this. Nebraska is in good shape if they want to try to hit that over at seven and a half, mm-hmm. or at least it makes it an intriguing bet. Let's talk to the man himself, the man behind the SP Plus, the man behind probabilities, Bill Conley of ESPN.com. Hello, Bill. Welcome back to the Grum. Uh, happy to be here. And yes, every game has an either zero or one hundred percent win probability. That's definitely that's absolutely the way the math works on this. Exactly. I knew it. I knew it. Yes, I'm glad. That's why I took geometry two times <laughs> when I was younger. <laughs> I, I'm curious, Bill, because you know people will wonder how in the world are you able to project numbers and all these other things. Last week you came out with your returning production numbers. Did you notice anything when you were doing those numbers, comparing the returning production of last year and how it factored into that season? And were you able to make any tweaks or adjustments or apply anything differently into how you calculated returning production this time around? Yeah, I mean, it, it, since the entire kind of roster construction world completely changed like two years ago, um, every new year of data in this world is kind of nice. I mean, you can obviously make better. You know, the, it it kind of changes the weighting a little bit, and, and I'm able to get a better picture. I mean, now – uh, you know, the recruiting rankings don't carry quite as much weight as they used to because they don't matter quite as much. They still matter, clearly, but obviously with transfers and everything, it's a little different. Um, and, you know, we, we it, it's I, I'm, I'm trying to do a little better job of working in some FCS returning, uh, some production, because uh, I think I undervalued G5 last year because I didn't do anything with FCS stats. So now I'm giving them kind of like half credit for those. I think that's going to help a little bit. So, yeah, every year that goes by, I always look and I always tweak, but now I need those extra years of data just because everything changed so quickly. Bill, do you think, speaking of changing quickly, that once we get past the COVID eligibility that the returning production is also going to change just because, I mean, some of the production that is returning right now is obviously well experienced, and I think the national championship game is maybe you know the, the best example of that, especially on the Washington side of things. Yeah, I think um, last year was probably the peak of just okay. experience in general. And I think maybe, you know, right now, I, I know a lot of this has to do with transfers and who has them and who lost them and everything. But right now, the national average for returning production is like five percentage points lower than it was last season. And, you know, we'll see. Again, we'll play musical chairs and, and a lot of teams will, you know, the, the rosters will change a lot in April and May again. So we'll see how this all ends up. But I do think 
just going through, uh, you know, updating each team's roster, I'm like, wow, that team just lost a lot of offensive linemen. That team just lost a lot of offensive linemen. And, and sure enough, a lot more teams kind of are starting over on the line where I think maybe that extra year of eligibility particularly helped. So, yeah, I think we're starting to maybe come out the other side because now they're in 24, the only guys – left who got that bonus year of eligibility were like the, you know, the red shirts or whatever. Uh, and if you started playing in 21, then this is your last year. I think we, we're, we started to cycle those guys out, and maybe we're seeing the effects of that. Bill Conley of ESPN.com. His preseason SP Plus rankings dropped yesterday on ESPN.com. The top 10, Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, Texas, Michigan, Alabama, Penn State, Ole Miss. Oh, I, I realize on my graphic here I only have the top eight. Mm. Uh, but – the point being is this, I was curious because when I look at the gap between Georgia and Ohio State, it's yeah. the same as the gap between Ohio State and number seven, Penn State. And that's one of the things I'm always fascinated by these is we see these gaps, especially at the top. And, and you know, we keep talking about how parity is eventually going to get here. But sure enough, there really isn't. I mean, there's still... There, what do you make of the gap that still exists between one and two, and then two and seven? Yeah, I mean, I think the the two and seven part makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, we see you know two, three, four kind of cluster together. Then you drop a couple points, and you get another what uh, five teams within about three points of each other. So I think that's all like kind of a, a a healthy range for the most part. It's just Georgia, you know, as whereas Ohio State traded quarterbacks and Alabama, Michigan or Michigan, excuse me, lost their quarterback. Uh, Georgia returns their quarterback and a whole heck of a lot else uh, overall. So I think um, just when you combine that with the recruiting advantages, they always have their, their excellent recent history. That's a little bitty piece of it as well. Like they're just, they're particularly well built this year. If, if, if you know, Beck had gone pro, um, which I'm, I, I think it was smart that he didn't. He's going to have a heck of a season, and, and it was he's going to raise his stock quite a bit. If he had gone pro, then they'd be you know two or three points lower, and they just have a narrow edge over over Ohio State. But you know the fact that he's back and they have this other experience, they are going to they look loaded. And and it's worth pointing out now. I mean, we are we have an actual tournament now. Like no, it's not one extra game like last like the the four team playoff. Like there's a legit tournament with randomness and everything else. So even with a clear number one, they're going to have to win three pretty tough games to win the title. And that's really hard. But yeah, I think I can't really justify starting out with anybody else at number one. It's pretty much has to be Georgia. I think Bill John, when he just asked that question, he, he made the reference of one to two versus two to seven. Of course, the team above number seven right now is number six. And that is Alabama. Um, a couple of things that I was wondering about with them is the first one was when's the last time they started a season ranked this low at six, yeah. but also what, what are we to make of the numbers? I mean, taking into account Saban being gone because yeah. he is such a outlier in the history of, of good coaches moving on from programs that I have to imagine in your time covering the sport that of course, there's no, no, one ever liked this because he's the best ever but there's not even really an equivalent to something like this no no i mean that's you know overall i don't take uh coaching changes into account because i've never figured out a way that to do it that makes the projections better it's just everything's zero sum you know so, so it sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't um and and there's nothing in there for there's not a, a zero one you just lost the best coach of all time yes no kind of deal uh to to plug in um, and I wouldn't even know what kind of adjustment to make if I did have that in there. So yeah, they're kind of you know Michigan and Alabama being five six is, is kind of a 
just a clue to, you know, when you have this recent history and this recruiting success and everything else, like you can only fall so far. Um, they're both pretty low in the returning production rankings, obviously, but they're still going to be in really good shape. Uh, but I, I am very curious about Alabama here. Kalen DeBoer is an incredible coach. Um, but, yeah, replacing the greatest team of all uh, – the greatest coach of all time right after he had his worst team in 15 years, that's kind of important too. They, they did slide last year already, uh, even if it was a save and slide where, you know, they still – whether they should have or not, they still made the playoff, and, and they still only lost twice. So great by anybody else's standards. But they were already kind of sliding last year, and I'm really curious what the, how he can stem that or if he can stem that while also dealing with the, well, Coach Saban did it this way factor <laughs> that he's going to deal with every single day that he's in Tuscaloosa. Bill Conley, ESPN.com, joining us. Nebraska's sitting 39th with the sixth-best SP-plus-rated defense. Whew. But, unfortunately, the offensive and special team numbers are below 100. When you looked at Nebraska's numbers, and obviously the returning production, especially on the defensive side, was a heavy factor. Uh, where do you, where, what did you think, make of Nebraska at 39 to start the year? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it is a pretty big jump. They were 60, what, 66th, I think, to finish last year. Um, so it is kind of, it's a little bit of a leap of faith, but they return almost the entire defense and the defense got so much better last season that I can kind of, I can justify it. Obviously it's all going to come down to that offense and, and, you know, whether a couple newcomers, I mean, he didn't exactly load up in the portal. He doesn't seem to be the type that tr- that wants to load up in the portal. He wants to take his time as he did everywhere else. Uh, and that might pay off for him here down the line, but we'll, uh, We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's with rules teams. It's t- it tends to be the the offense that clicks second, uh, and we'll see exactly how long uh, it takes. But I think the schedule itself is fascinating because I mean, yeah, yeah they're favored in eight games, as as you guys were talking. They're favored <laughs> in eight games and underdogs in four, but they're favored in the first seven, and then underdogs in four of the last five. Um, and you know, a couple of those underdogs, like you know, twenty seven point underdog against Ohio State, eight and a half against USC eight against Iowa, um, you know, they, there's a pretty broad range of outcomes here. There are enough close games to make this kind of, kind of interesting. I assume they get over the finish line. They make a bowl. They, 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 they end that drought at the very least, uh, just because I trust Matt rule. But um, yeah, that offense is hard to, hard to trust just yet. Hey, Bill, going back to the returning production stuff. So Nebraska ranked very, very high in that. And I guess this is another kind of question on what we have learned. They were third, only behind uh, Virginia Tech and Iowa State. What what do you feel like we kind of know about what returning production can mean? Because like last year, there were some really good teams at the top of that. But another team that made the playoff Alabama was was super, super low. So like, what right. what do you feel like we can, I don't know if definitively say, but what, what do you feel comfortable saying about what returning production can and maybe can't? mean for a team like a Nebraska at three? Well, I think what's what's always important, I always try to stress this in the piece itself and, and on, on Twitter a lot when I get yelled <laughs> at when people are uh, misinterpreting things, is just that it correlates to improvement and regression, not pure quality. Like Virginia Tech's number one in returning production. That doesn't mean Virginia Tech's going to be a top five team this year. Yes, uh, It just means they're likely to improve by a pretty healthy amount, which, I mean, hey, if you're a Virginia Tech fan, that's great because they already improved the second half of last year. So with Nebraska, yeah, I mean, that's why they're projected to jump to the top 40. They, it doesn't mean they're going to be suddenly a national title contender or a Big Ten contender or anything else, but with that healthy amount of um, of of overall experience, combined with the fact that they did have one, if not an elite unit, pretty close to elite unit, frequently elite unit, if mm. not in every game. Um, that's that just that that's, that 
you know, sets them up pretty nicely. And, and, you know, obviously now, you know, I guess it's probably good. They're top 40 projection with no offense whatsoever. So if they get an offense, suddenly you can talk yourself into top 30 or better. But we'll, we'll see. Baby steps, I guess. Bill Conley of ESPN.com, SP Plus preseason rankings out yesterday. Texas A&M, it seems like a program that has been badly overrated for a number of years. But you think <laughs> this might be a year to actually buy into the Aggies. Why is that? Well, because I win either way. Either I'm right or, you know, I, I set Aggie fans up for disappointment again. It's I'm, I'm good no matter what, I guess. But, no, I mean, you know, the bottom line with A&M and, and a lot of SEC West teams in general was, you know, their their record kind of – their ratings are higher than their record anyway. So last year – I mean, two years ago, they were legit sketchy overall. But last year, they improved – they were 16th in SP Plus last year. Uh, but they lost all their close games or most of their close games. And they just, you know, they, they played a lot of really good teams that were better than 16th. And so they, you know, I think it masked some of the improvement they made. So now they're they're right there again. Obviously, you know, this doesn't even factor in the fact that Connor Wigman, uh, barely, you know, barely played last season. Um, and, you know, so they don't get full returning production credit for that. But just – Good defense. The offense should be solid again, um, and and they're projected to win eight and a half games, even as a, even as a top fifteen team. It's it's still a pretty tough schedule, even if uh, you know losing the East and West divisions helped them out a little bit. And you were a little bit lower on Kansas compared to the way too early top twenty five. Why was that? Uh, defense. Uh, it still just doesn't trust that defense yet. Um, the offense is extremely trustworthy and you know i i did use jalen daniels uh 22 uh, 2022 stats instead of 23 because he was hurt last year but even in 22 he only played nine games so they still don't get full jalen daniels credit in there uh so instead of projected 16th on offense maybe they're probably borderline top 10 but the defense just hasn't it, – it, it improved last year, but it improved to 62nd. And, um, you know, it's going to be pretty hard. The offense is still going to have to carry a lot of weight. I do – by the way, Big 12, you know, that's great. SEC and Big 10 have all the money. They're all going to be miserable because they're all going to be going 7-5 <laughs> and five or whatever. Big 12 is going to be an absolute blast this year. Uh, you know, the fact that Kansas is – you know, projected top 35. They got like eight teams projected between like 17th and 35th or something like that. Every game's going to be down to the wire. And, and maybe in that instance, having an incredible quarterback, maybe the best in the conference is going to help them stand out a little bit. And let's show a love to one of those teams, Iowa State. That was another team yeah. you identified <laughs> as one that you like. Yeah, that one. Uh, and they're second in uh, returning production. That's obviously the major reason why. But the other one is, you know, like A and M, you know, when you lose your close games, um, but you play pretty consistently solid ball, uh, SP Plus is going to give you a benefit of the doubt. Uh, Iowa State's problem, I guess. Um, you know, I, I I definitely understand why they're projected 22nd, and I wrote about it. But uh, they haven't won close games in a while. Uh, Matt Campbell needs to kind of freshen up the close game script, I think. And uh, but they still overachieved last year with. You know, a lot more turnover than expected with with what they had going on there over the summer, and um, you know they had a lot of guys and a lot of new roles. They still managed to go what seven and six. Um, they still improved over the previous season, even with all that drama. And so I think they are in good shape. You know, even if they're not going to win the conference because they can't close games out, they're still going to be in pretty good shape to win some games. Bill, you also factored in, or at least ranked every conference and the average SP plus rating by conference. And you want to talk about gaps. Uh, The SEC has a very big lead over the big 10 who has basically double 
what the Big 12 has, and then it just drops like a rock after that. Obviously, this is not a surprise to anybody, but I'm curious about the gaps again. Are are these in line with what they have been in the past, or are the gaps getting larger? Well, the SEC obviously having two top 15 programs uh, certainly didn't hurt. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and you know what, number four Texas and uh, and a top 15 Oklahoma. Um, so they, they're projected to improve as a conference. I think the highest I've seen the SEC's average is like I think 16 or something like that. But typically they they end up in kind of like, like that 10 to 13 range. They're projected in the 14 range on average this year. So it is a little better uh, SEC. Um, Big Ten's problem is just all the dead weight. Like that's that, that's been the, the issue for a little while. Obviously, you just added uh, Oregon and Washington. Or I mean, well, Washington's only a, to like a top thirty team, but you added Oregon. Uh, that should help a lot. But then you just got so many teams in the 50s, 60s, 70s, um, and, it, and it hurts the average. So I think I can't remember where the Big Ten ended up last year, but at eight point seven, they're in second place. It's a little better than last year, but it's still not. It's not amazing. I think they're certainly benefiting from the fact that everybody else has a lot, a lot of dead weight too, without the top five teams. Bill Conley, you can check out his work on ESPN.com. Bill, we always appreciate the conversation, and Josh definitely appreciates the fact that he has <laughs> gets to talk about college football again. Yeah, we're continuing our countdown, Bill. It's only like 190 days away. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 freaking me out because I I'm, we're not we're waiting on the preview series this year until after the the spring window because it, there's just no point until the the rosters are settled. I don't know what to do with myself right now. It's kind of a, it's weird. We're having to schedule out a whole new off season here. Oh wow! All right, well we'll look forward to the new pieces then. <laughs> That's right. Something yeah. something's coming. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill Conley of ESPN. Uh, Jojo writes on YouTube, schedule looks completely accurate for eight wins, but will Tinkle one or two we should win down our leg and hit six or seven? Go Panthers! Wow. What? It's not going to be the Panthers. It's going to be the Panthers. It's not going to be the Panthers. Yes, it is. No. No. That's going to be my first Nebraska game. Yeah, and you're going to watch Nebraska win by like 30. Nah, go Panthers. Yeah, and then you'll get a sternly written email from our boss. Mm. This is what you get for rooting for Iowa. Can you rescind your Iowa fandom, please? Nope. Can't believe Nick's going to be in the stadium. Nick, you need to bring a 1620 The Zone hat and shirt and merch. You just need to be decked out in zone stuff. Well, yeah, but if the I can't wait for after the game when I'm listening to Big Red Overreaction to see what people do. Or not? Never mind. No, we don't. I'm want with him you on in, that. If he's in zone gear, yeah, and he's rooting for Northern Iowa. Mm. Oh yeah, then well then people no. would be like, oh I knew it. The zone always roots against Nebraska. I'm with yeah, you on the hat, but yeah. I'm for sure gonna wear a Panthers shirt. Mm. I got one on home field. I've been eyeing. Wow, look at Nick. That's like three rice dinners that he's gonna have to forego. Yeah, I'm not eating for a week after that. Minute rice is still cheap, isn't it? Relatively. Okay. Yeah, rice that. is pretty cheap, all things considered. That's why I eat it. There you go. Well, speaking of eating. Oh. What are we having? So, I have not told these guys what it is. Because I, I don't want them, I don't want their... This is very curious. I don't want them to go into it with any... I, I want to see what their reaction is to the taste. I have not tried this. Is it a live octopus? I know what it is. I have not tried this. It's not like urine. No, no. Okay. Just making sure. It is a normal food item. 
Okay, well, different cultures have different normal food items. Whoa, nigger, you saying other people don't have normal food? No, I'm to saying your white palate. I'm saying what's normal for some people aren't normal wow. for other people. This Isn't is normal, normal for, for us here in America, where huh. we live. Are you? Are we dunking hot dog buns in water? Hell no. Are we gonna do the hot dog beer straw thing? Is it spicy? No. Well, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Very. We'll hell? find out next. Right. Taste test Thursday. It's a taste test Thursday on a Wednesday. Also, we found out that apparently Gretna is where everything is happening. Yeah, I don't like this. What's up with this? Have you seen this? Have you heard the about it? The mystery behind the guy who, want, who wants Gary Bettman to come to Omaha. Come shake our hand, Gary. I want to shake his hand. We found that out, but we found out a lot more. Let me shake his hand. Coming up in the happy hour, which is next on 1620 The Zone. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.